Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the third season of the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse to the awkward to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today, as part of the launch of our third season of the podcast, we feature part two of my conversation with Johari Harris, Assistant Professor of Educational Psychology at Kennesaw State University. Jahari is also the Director of Educating for Democracy, an initiative housed at the University of Virginia designed to combine the science of adolescent learning and development with the teaching of critical histories and supporting justice-oriented civic engagement. Important efforts for young adolescents who are thinking more and more about issues of race and racism and how to address them. It is through the kind of resistance and the pushback against these threats to democracy throughout history that we have kind of moved towards progress. And so, you know, providing that, say, background to early adolescents in particular, because we know they're seeing this information and we're all and we're not giving them the tools, the res- like, like not trusting their resilience and in, in shaping this to be a better outcome. In part two of our conversation, Jahari and I talk about the Educating for Democracy project, the resources that teachers can use in their classrooms to expose students to the many narratives that make up American history and civic life, how young adolescents are absorbing current events around the state of democracy, and how to inspire them to be engaged citizens to shape a more just future. Previously in part one of our conversation, Jahari and I talked about her research on the impact of social identity and cultural values on the development of social and emotional competencies among young adolescents of color, and how to best partner with educators to support the teaching and learning process while producing research that is relevant and usable in classrooms, as well as how to teach effective anti-racist curriculum. Part one is now available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's part two of my interview with Johari Harris. Educating for Democracy, uh, tell me how this initiative came about. What was the idea behind it? It was really, (laughs) Nancy might be able to speak to this more, but um, I was just, I was approached by Bob. And, you know, from my understanding, they received a grant about- This is Bob Pianta, by the way, Bob Pianta, who at the time was the Dean of the the School of Education. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because like I'll sometimes look at the email. He just sent me an email. It was just like, hey, you know, uh, we've got this kind of grant money and we're looking to create like a social studies and youth empowerment, um, youth empowerment curriculum. And like, let me see what you got. (laughs) It was this very broad directive, which in many ways is daunting, but also like exciting because it was like, well, what can we create given our interest? And that's where the piece about like really being having the opportunity to merge developmental science with critical histories came about. And so, you know, educating for democracy, the curriculum resources are framed by this social cognitive domain theory idea, which is, you know, Larry Nucci is Dr. Larry Nucci from UC Berkeley has been huge in kind of promoting it when it comes to this idea of justice oriented citizenship, which 
basically says that how kids think about issues of justice and human welfare looks different at different ages. And it's our duty as like teachers, practitioners is to provide them the opportunity to think about it in developmentally appropriate ways and engage in dialogue with themselves rather than like the teacher telling them what to think. The teacher, I think that's what often gets teachers into sticky situations is when they're telling the kids, well, this is what you should think about this, this situation or this issue. When, when we give them the opportunity to discuss it amongst themselves, research tells us that they usually land in the most just place. They usually land in the place that honors people's humanity. So just giving them the space to do that. And then merging that with critical histories and this idea of presenting the fullness of the American story. And, and it's not to say, I sometimes I get confused, or I don't know if confused is the right word, but so many of the debates that are being taken place about like, you know, what 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 is America? What was it defined at, or what was it created on? What's its foundation? Rather than just getting into the weeds, presenting kids with the primary source documents to think through that. So when it comes to, for example, the Civil War, I'm not going to debate with you about um, whether or not slavery was a main cause, because if we look at the Confederate Constitution, that's where it says, you know, that the people who decided to succeed stated slavery was a main cause. So I think providing kids or students, particularly middle school students, um, the opportunity to grapple with these full histories in these developmentally appropriate ways is the kind of foundation of educating for democracies content. And then I think attached to that, we have this teacher resource um, bucket, so to speak, because to that point of like making sure teachers have the tools to do this work in their classroom. You know, I feel like when we started this work, it was right after the Unite the Right rally. And then it was after like the Black Lives Matter movement. Now we're in a very different context. And so the supportive kind of structures are even more important um, because there is this hesitancy and there is this backlash, so to speak, towards this type of work. And, and so within it, like we're never telling kids to take a position one way or another. We're just asking them to discuss it and think about it with the sources they have in front of them. And then the teacher's section is really like, how do we, how do you facilitate these conversations? What are developmentally appropriate conversations and what do they look like? What do they not look like? Um, we recently had a conference on it where we had speakers come to further support teachers' processes around these issues and the recording it on the site. And then I would say the third bucket, I almost left on the table are these profiles of resistance, which are, you know, we constantly talk about the same people within particular movements over and over, which is great. Like, you know, I think it's important to highlight heroes, so to speak, but there's also so many more people who added to this kind of tapestry of justice within America. And we try to highlight those in kind of one pages. And again, coming from this practitioner orientation, I remember when I was a classroom teacher needing like quick worksheets for my kids to do, say if they finish early and profiles of resistance or these one pages that kids can do independently or a whole lesson can be built around them. Um, likewise, we have like an inclusive inclusive glossary, which came from me having a conversation with a teacher. And he was like, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to call a student like 
African-American or black, like, which is more appropriate. I don't know if I'm supposed to say Latino or Latinx or Latina, you know? And so that's where that kind of emerged from because we often don't know the history behind language and, and what makes it so heavy and hurtful in certain contexts. And so, you know, educating democracy to me is this like this really true form of translational research and, and this kind of bi-directional feedback of providing our expertise and insight, but also learning from teachers and practitioners about what works and doesn't work to then reshape it to then go back out. So this kind of constantly evolving bi-directional body of work. You know, my, my research interest is... Um, is, you know, really focused on Black students, but it's not just about Black students. You know, all of our students from all different backgrounds suffer when we exist within these dehumanizing spaces. You know, the, the very first episode of this podcast was with our mutual friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Joanna Lee Williams, who is now at uh, Rutgers. And we talked about some of her research around the Unite the Right rally, and, and the research that we talked about was was around the how this affected young people, young adolescents, because they consumed it, you know, for through media. And I'm thinking about this. You mentioned the the notion of agency. How how you think about particularly for young adolescents translating civic education, so how they learn about, Joanna talked about this sort of like notion of racial literacy, that people have a different different levels of racial literacy, ability to talk about it, ability to understand, ability to engage around racial topics. And, and part of, I think, maybe some of this, the curriculum and, and the work that you're doing is to kind of enhance that racial literacy so people really kind of understand the depths of, of context of the history of this country and, and, and the dynamics, the social dynamics that are at play. Um, but getting at some from the, the educational and the learning piece to the civic engagement piece, like to do, you know, translating from learning about and, and building literacy to actual building agency, you know, particularly for young people who, as you mentioned, are beginning to understand themselves and their place in the world in a more sophisticated way and either receiving that as this is my – this is this is the way the world is or – the world is not the, this is not the way the world should be, and I can do something about it. So, talk a little bit about how you see that that leap from learning to action or agency. That's something we thought about a lot when designing the when picking the topics that we discuss in the unit. And so, you know, every topic is really focused on a current event issue and, you know, drawing link, we kind of build on the past so the students can understand the present, but within the present, like every single lesson ends with kind of a call to action of given what you know, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, whether that's, you know, writing a letter, leading a social media campaign, like really focusing on the tools that youth do have access to, because for example, you know, you can't vote if you're not 18 in America. So, you know, we we frequently talk about voting as like the key marker of, say, citizenship. But what does that mean with this for this whole demographic that is very civically engaged, but don't have like, say, access to the polls? And so that's why, you know, providing kids to use capitalize on their platforms that they're real. I mean, 
have you seen TikTok? <laughs> like that's they've like mastered that. So it's like whole movements have come out of TikTok. The most recent campaigns against global warming, I think, are perfect examples of the ways youth are using their agency to um, demand change. Definitely not just having it in this like pie in the sky of like, oh great, you've learned all this stuff and you've learned about history and how it relates to today and 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 why it matters but that's it <laughs> and like go to you know no it's like how can we make our voices heard and, and I'll never forget I saw a video where a young person said you know like everybody loves youth voice but we need ac- adult action and I think that's what it comes down to you know like providing them more and more opportunities to practice that action and practice that civic engagement with the tools available to them well we have a practical example coming up we have uh the midterm elections which are uh as we're recording this are six or eight weeks away i guess democracy itself seems to be the centerpiece of this upcoming election it's certainly being framed as such by some political candidates other candidates may have other priorities but you know given the last couple of years the way the 2020 election unfolded and played out the insurrection the contentious transfer of power the continued denial of election results, and certainly over the past few years or more, the, the the laws, as you mentioned, that have been put in place in many states that make it harder for people to vote, the purging of voter registrations and the like, you know, many adults have a great anxiety over this. What about adolescents who, as we've been talking, are kind of coming into their own and beginning to understand themselves and their place in the world in more sophisticated ways? How, how does this current constellation of events we talked about unite the right and and the, a lot of the you know, george floyd and all the sort of all the kind of those markers um but like this current sort of context with it that is this hyper political within this sort of this concept of defending democracy or what even democracy means in this country how does that affect young adolescents, their development, their psychology, their emotions, their sense of self, their visions of, of the future and the like. I mean, it stresses them the hell out. <laughs> like, you know, like they, these kids are stressed. <laughs> and then, because I think, and, and what kind of research is pointing to is they're, they're carrying our stress. Like we're not as good as hiding it from them that we think we are. So they're carrying our stress and they also don't have the, kind of historical knowledge or the background knowledge to better understand it and their role in and changing it. So they're in this really precarious position of hearing all of these like, yeah, like democracy might end, democracy is in peril without understanding this isn't the first time, you know, this particularly for certain groups, like things haven't, America hasn't been this like bed of roses for a long time, but instead of, um, saying like throwing your hands up and being like oh well I have no agency it is through the kind of resistance and the pushback against these threats to democracy throughout history that we have kind of moved towards progress and so you know providing that say background to early adolescents in particular because we know they're seeing this information and we're all and we're not giving them the tools, the res- like, like not trusting their resilience and, and shaping this to be a better outcome. And so I think it's really on us as adults, that kind of goes back to this idea of like adult action of like, how do we become more intentional of not just like breaking down the bad, but also talking about 
what can be done to address it, you know, because I also don't believe in like, say, sugarcoating things, but, you know, we also need to frame it in terms of agency and we also need to frame it in terms of, well, this is happening, but what can we do to support the outcome that we most desire? And I just, I think that we, we don't give youth enough credit for, particularly middle schoolers about what their brains can handle, you know, <laughs> like, like they can understand so much more than we think they're growing so much in their abstract thinking skills. And, you know, I think I mentioned this a little earlier, if we're not, even if we don't talk about it, if we don't, if we're not the ones explicitly having these conversations with it, they're getting it from these peer networks that they're becoming more embedded in. They're getting it from the social media that they're becoming more attached. Like they're, they're talking about this information. You know, we, we really have to be much more intentional about engaging in um, these types of conversations, these kind of li- racial literacy conversations, these conversations about citizenship and democracy and what that means um, in America, what it's meant, what it means today and what it could mean in the future, because, yeah, lots at stake and they technically can't vote. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's a level of helplessness of like, well, everybody keeps talking about the election, but what can I do in the election? What What's my role in it? Um, and I think we we have to think about it. Yeah, what can youth do? What can say, how can a middle schooler support their goals and, and dreams for what this election could be? And how, how can we help them achieve that? What's next for you in your research? And are there things that you are chomping at the bit to, 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 to wade into? Or what's next for the Educating for Democracy uh, project? You know, as I continue on this academic journey, I think, my, I think the foundation for me is, is always and continues to be about like resistance and resistance for liberation. How can we create liberating and humanizing spaces? And for me, it's really within this middle school contest and how we can engage with students in meaningful ways within school context um, at larger scales than just say one classroom here and there. And then I, I think parallel to that is like, how do we support teachers in doing that work? And so I think education, educating for democracy, those goals are the same. It's like, how can we continue to create and produce content that supports liberation of people throughout the country, throughout the world, alongside of supporting teachers and engaging that work, whether that's like through PDs, whether that's through um, conferences, like how do we, how do we merge both? Because like you said, a lot's at stake. You know, like, for example, my dissertation was on pro-social behaviors, but I realize now what is it is nice enough, like is, is being nice to each other enough when we are still dehumanizing each other. And so, you know, continuing to evolve my own thoughts and understandings about like what citizenship really means, what discourse, meaningful discourse can really look like within these contexts that leads to the liberation of all people throughout the world. Finally, Jahari, what's one thing you want listeners to take away from this conversation? One bit of advice based on your experience in adolescent development and civic education, civic engagement that you would offer to educators both in school and in in after school and summer programs of things they either ought to know or ought to be doing. Middle schoolers are ready for conversations about race and racism and whether you're having them with them or they're not, they're thinking about it. And the other piece of advice is just 
it's hard work, but we need, you just got to be brave. Cause you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that in a, like a trivial way or, or a minimizing way, um, because it is really scary right now to be a teacher and it, there are real concrete consequences. Um, but that's what makes this work even more meaningful and necessary is because we're, we're still kind of trying to move towards that truly equitable space that we're not quite there yet. <laughs> we're still we're still trying to get there, and that requires a level of bravery that we have seen throughout history, um, and we continue to see today. Of like, you know, it, it it takes resistance, and it takes you know resistance against these forces who would want the world to look differently than what the most of us want it to look like, which is truly equitable and truly just. Bravery. That's a good way to to end both bravery from students and from adults. Uh, well, Jahari, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thanks for all your work and all your contributions to the field of adolescent learning and development. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to, to share. Oh, thank you. That was part two of my interview with Jahari Harris, director of the Educating for Democracy project. You can learn more about Educating for Democracy online at educatingfordemocracy.education.virginia.edu or on Facebook and Twitter at CRPESUVA. Previously in part one of our conversation, Jahari and I talked about her research on the impact of social identity and cultural values on the development of social and emotional competencies among young adolescents of color, and how to best partner with educators, both on research and in teaching effective anti-racist curricula. Look out for part one of my conversation with Jahari Harris, out now on the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. Recently, we recapped season two of the podcast in two recap episodes, which offered highlights from conversations in our last season. Those are available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino. Editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.